Welcome back. Uh, my name is Tommy, by the way. I'm the pastor here. Um, so we've been talking over the last few weeks about the real God, about learning to worship the one true God. And uh, we've learned some things about God. God is sovereign and God is all powerful and God is holy and, and God is righteous and, and God is all of these things that are so incredibly good. And, and, and we're just learning to worship him. And in the midst of that, there's this guy. Does anyone know who this guy is? Plato God. Is he the real God? No. Good job. <laughs> Not the real God. It's Plato God. And if you guys remember, this is the God too many people worship. It's just a God we created, right? It's not, I mean, y'all just saw, just made this God. And so he's not a God to give your life to. He's not a God to fear. And he's just, he's just Plato. I just made it, boom, right there. And so that's just what he is. And, and it, do you remember in week one, Plato was pure in his colors? He was like, he was just all hot pink and all green. They weren't combined together. And then week two, Colors kind of started spilling together. I think, Clarissa, were you the one who said it was bothering you? Several people were bothered by the fact that the colors were beginning. But that's what I do with Plato. And so the colors begin. And now week three, look at him. He's just a big old mess. Look at him. He's the conglomeration of all these different colors. And do you know why Plato God is now all these different colors? Because Plato God changes. Every week, Plato God changes. I have a new emotion about something, Plato God changes. I read a different book, Plato God changes. I have a new thought. I, I used to feel bad about something. I no longer feel bad about it. Plato God changes. See, the beauty of Plato God is he can morph to me. He can change to meet my needs. Look at Plato God, you serve me. Look at him. He's just waiting to do the next thing for me. That's Plato God. That's the real God. The real God is unchanging, Right? The real God is, is the same God yesterday and today and tomorrow. and all. But, but we don't always like that God, so we just kind of add and subtract to make a God that we like. And that's the God we're learning not to worship. We're learning to worship the real God. And we're using, because we're learning to worship, we're using the book in the Bible that's all about worship. And does anyone know what book in the Bible we're using? Man, y'all have a great memory. <laughs> Cheaters. We've been learning about God through the book of Psalms. This book was written by people who worshiped God. And they worshiped the real God. Not, not Plato God. They worshiped the real God. And so uh, today we're going to carry on with Psalm 36. And this is a good one, man. Y'all pay attention. Let's see if we can catch the theme of where we're going today. I have a message from God in my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their own sin. Man, that's good right there. The words of their mouths are wicked and deceitful. They fail to act wisely or do good. Even on their beds they plot evil. They commit themselves to a sinful course and do not reject what is wrong. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness like the highest mountain. Your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O oh God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them the drink from your river of delights. From with you is a fountain of life. In your light we see light. Continue your love to those who know you. Your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the foot of the proud not come against me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. See how the evildoers lie fallen, thrown down, not able to rise. All right, there's a lot going on there, right? 
So I want to clue in on verse 5 and 6, and I want us to find the rhythm for today, the characteristics, the attributes of God that we're going to talk about today. And it says, your love, Lord. Y'all see that in verse 5? Read it with me. Your love. So I say, God is love. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. So God is love. But it continues in verse 6. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice, say it with me, your justice. So God is justice. We kind of hesitated on that one, and I get it. Your justice, like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. So if we had to fill in the blank for today, God is love, and God is... Boom, shaka. Listen to Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord... You righteous, it is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to Him on a ten-string lyre. By the way, we, we had to figure out what a lyre was in the last one. Did any of y'all know what it is? You really know? It's a mini harp. Well, you go, boy. That's exactly right, I think, based on the picture I saw. So let's just read that again. Someone in the last one thought it was a banjo. I was like, so I had to reread this verse with banjo in there. I'm just... Praise the Lord with a banjo. <laughs> Not very East End of us. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to Him on a mini harp. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of His unfailing. God is. And God is. Whew, yeah, this is fun now. Why is the psalmist praising God? Because God is both love and just. And believe it or not, although we seem to nail that one pretty good, this is a super complex thing for the world to get a hold of. As a matter of fact, there's, there's pastors and people who have made big churches and, and have number one selling books that don't say this. They say God is love. They say God is just basically this, this big algorithm of love. And one of the books is called Love Wins. Another book that's very similar is called uh, the, 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 the Universal Christ. And these books, I don't know what they are, but they're not Christianity. Because they're just describing one attribute of God as if that is all He is. And dismissing everything about... Oh, I'm not taking His leg off. That's personal. And dismissing everything from God that they don't like. I couldn't go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> couldn't do that. <laughs> right? That's what they're doing. They're just taking one little thing about God and saying, well, this is God and God is none of these, but that's not the real God in the Bible. See, what we need to get is this. God is the fullness of everything God possesses. He's, if he is love, then he is 100% love. And if he is justice, then he is 100% justice. We're fractions of things. I mean, we're like, we're a little, like, if I started to list my attributes and fractions, it would be like, I am 6%, I'm one-sixth patient. I am um, probably like one-fifteenth caring. Um, I'm pretty kind, one-twenty-third kind. Uh, I'm one, like, 60th into deer hunting. I'm one 42nd into the Razorback. I'm 100th good at math. But like, you can see, like, it, we can fractionalize our whole lives, right? I think I was getting to some sort of 100%. But we can make a fraction out of our life. God is not a fraction. God is the fullness of everything. 
God is in a percent. We think God is a little of this, a little of that, a little, like, like this. This guy's a little green, a little yellow, a little blue, a little right. That's not God. God is the fullness of everything God possesses. So if he is love, then he is 100% love. And if he is justice, he's all justice. And this is more complicated than you think. And it's hard because we tend to define God's attributes by our definitions. We say, all right, God is love as we define love. And we define love as like, if you for me, then I will for you. Most of the love we experience, I mean, people in, in, we fall in love and we fall out of love. And love is really based on what you do for me. But that's not what God, that's not his love. His love is different than our love. As a matter of fact, in, in 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let us love, there's the word, one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this love of God, he, he was made manifest among us that God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us. And he sent his son to be the payment, the atonement, the solution for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. God is love. And there's a word, there's a, there's a Greek word when they're talking about God's love right there. Does anyone know the Greek word for love that they're using at this part of the Bible? Agape. And agape means love without expecting anything in return. Agape love is completely about the person receiving the love and not about the one who's giving love because there may not be anything in it for the one who's giving. Agape is selfless love. It is loving you no matter what you do. That's not the kind of love we usually share. We have some, we have like a, a word that's brotherly love, but even that is contingent on what you, we have eros love, which is like romantic love. And that is contingent on what you do for me. And that should be mutually satisfied. It's probably a different sermon, but like eros is good, but that's not what God is talking about right here. When he says God is love, he's talking about agape and God is one hundred percent agape love. A love that requests nothing in return. A love that loves no matter what. And God loves every one. God loves every single person. God loves everything except one thing. And the one thing God does not love is evil and sin. God does not love what evil has done to his people. God does not accept that. He, he does not condone that. He does not love sin. And because God is just, when he encounters injustice or sin, he will respond in a godly, loving, just manner. He does not love sin. He can't ignore wrong. It's his nature to not ignore the wrongs in this world. Because God is just. We have some justice in us. Remember, we have a fraction. We have a percent of justice in us. Like if I was to, if I was to bring, um, how, old your, how old your little girl right there? She's two. What's her name? Riley. Riley. If I was to bring her up on stage right now, I guarantee I would dominate you in basketball. Like if Riley and I were to play basketball, I would beat her 10 to nothing every single time. She might get a point if you got some lucky stuff, but I doubt it. I am that much better than Riley at basketball. No, no, I'm not kidding. 10 out of 10 times, I would dominate that girl in basketball. And if y'all watched me play her in basketball, somewhere along the line, one of you would think, that's not right. That's not fair. You know why? Because there's a fraction of justice inside of you. 
that was given to you by God, right? And one of you might even say, well, won't you play me? And then I would dominate you too. That's how that would go, okay? But like, I mean, th- th- there would be something in you that would say it's not fair, it's not right. Or what if, what if someone kills somebody and they don't go to jail, they don't do any time, isn't there something in us that says that's not right? That's not justice. Or say a woman steals an apple to feed her family and she gets 20 years in prison. Wouldn't we say that's not right? That's not justice. Because there is something in us that desires justice. That's the imprint of the Father. The problem with us, though, is we only have a fraction of it, and our justice is is stained by our prejudice and our experiences and our life and all the things we have seen. And that's why I remember when um, when all the uh, the protests were going real strong, and when Corona was first flaring, the world was more divided than I've ever seen it before in my entire life. Y'all remember this? And I, w- I remember I would sit down with my different kinds of friends and, and one friend would see something as injustice and another friend would see it completely different. Two friends who both love Jesus Christ, both Christians, but they would see the events that were happening as justice or injustice based on their view and their opinion and based on the life they had experienced. And that is how we all see justice. Our justice lens is broken because we can't divorce it from our experiences. Our justice is incomplete. Not only that, we can walk away from injustice. We have the ability to walk away from it. How many of you slept last night? Put, put your hands, okay, put your hand up. This audience participation. Some of you are like, is he, does this count as worshiping? No, you're just raising your hand. It's, it's cool. This doesn't count. Right? So we slept last night. You know why we slept last night? There were, there were babies starving in the world. Do we all agree? There, there's Christians being persecuted. There are women being raped and assaulted all over the world. There are women owned as property, yet we slept last night. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. That doesn't make you bad. That makes you human with fractional justice. Because we were able to walk away from those things and sleep. God is not like that. When there is injustice and brokenness and sin and pain in the world, God is not just able to walk away from it. Because He is fully loving, He cannot ignore injustice. Justice must be dealt with. When something's broken, God's not just going to walk away. He's going to fix it in his time and in his way because he's 100% loving and 100% just. And y'all know what, what, what the word is for God's, uh, the way God handles injustice and pain and sin in the world? There, there's a specific word. It's called God's wrath. Yay. It's a fun Sunday. It's God's Wrath Sunday. We didn't put that on Facebook. Join us for Wrath Sunday. It's called wrath. The, the wrath is God's perfectly loving and just response to the evil in this world. God's wrath is 100% love. And it's 100% just. And it's real. John 3.16 is, before I get to that, guys, I know this stuff is hard that we're talking about. It's hard for me, man. This stuff's hard for me. Um, this is personal for me in a lot of ways. And many of you might have grown up in like a wrath church, and right now you're scared to death because you grew up in a church with a pastor who only talked about wrath, and he liked it, right? He's all, they're all going to hell. He's like watering at the mouth or frothing, right? And you're that Sunday school teacher that was like, I hate you. You're like, ah, Right? And you grew up in that church, and I'm sorry, that's not where I'm going. But, but that, that's not right. But neither is the church that says, oh, just do whatever you want. 
Some of us grew up in the love church, and we were just hippies, and we made clover necklaces, and we just sat outside and told each other how great we were, right? That's not good either. There's, that's not right. It, it's not a camp thing. This is not about finding a camp of love or justice. God is not in a camp. He is the camp. He's the fullness of both. And so we can't just pick a side. Like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Love. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Hold on. Someone might perish? Justice. But have eternal life. Not into the world to condemn the world. Yes. But to save the world. The world needed saving. But to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Love. But whoever does not believe stands condemned. Justice. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Free will choice. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly. What they have done has been done in the sight of God. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. This is the battle cry of the church, right? If you have one piece of Scripture memorized, I bet it's that one. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. That's John 3.16, that He sent His only Son. But this is not just a verse about love. We need to get this. This is a verse about justice and judgment. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son to die on this cross. This cross is not just the image of God's love. This cross is the symbol of God's hatred for sin and how far He's willing to go to rid it from His people. This is not just love. This is love and justice. It's both. This is the fullness of everything. It is the fullness of mercy. It is the fullness of peace. It is the fullness of hope. It's the fullness of wrath. And it's the fullness of judgment. It's the fullness of everything. And to make this one-dimensional destroys the gospel. This is not... Did he love you? Yes. 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 Yes, he loved you so much. But does he hate sin? Yes. And do you have choice? Absolutely. And you will get to decide whether you will stand free, redeemed by the love of God because you have given your life to Christ, or whether you will experience the judgment. And for those of us who know Jesus, this is hope. And for those who don't, this should be fear. And I hate that. I hate that. I hate this part of the gospel. If I could rewrite it, I would rewrite the book Love Wins. Where everybody goes, no matter what. And there is no choice. And what God did once, and you don't have to do anything, and you don't have to accept Him, you don't have to alter your life, you don't have to do one thing, but that's not the book that I believe is true. The fullness of the gospel is a gospel of love. And the fullness of the gospel is a gospel of judgment. And you get to decide which gospel will be your eternity. But too many of us have sat in church for so long that we've become inoculated and bored to the truth. And a pastor doesn't love us enough to tell us about the judgment. And this matters. Listen to John 5. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. What? 
Jesus is coming back to judge that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes who sent me will have eternal life and not be judged because they've crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself, and He has given Him the authority to judge because He is the Son of Man. I love that part. There's a time coming, and the time is now when the dead will hear the voice of the Son and come to life. Guys, do you know what I am? I'm a resuscitated dead person who's now alive. I was, if, if you're thinking this is something that happens at the end of the world, and you're like, I wonder if people are going to come up from their graves. If you heard the voice of Christ and are here today, you are alive. You were dead before that. We're not walking around neutral and then we get God. We're walking around dead and then we get God. And it is the cross. It is the judgment that was fully taken out on the cross. Remember, this is where judgment happened. Who did it happen to? Christ. On whose behalf? Mine. Judgment was full on the shoulder of the Son so that love could be fully received by all those who would give their life to that Son who shouldered your judgment. And that's the gospel. It's hard. And it's why I don't preach it like this very often, because it drains me. Because it brings me pain. I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning last night, mourning for people who are being led away by gospels that sound good, by gospels that sound nice. And the scarier the world gets, the more people are going to come up with false gospels that sound good, that leave out the judgment of the cross. That is why we must remember who we are and who we, whose we are. We don't get to change him. We don't get to mold him. We don't get to manipulate him. He is God. And the way we know that we're becoming like him, the way we know that, 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 that his judgment, that Christ paid for our sins, and that we are covered by his love, the way we know that is we begin to hate injustice the way he did. The way we know that we're covered by his agape love is that we begin to agape love. We begin to love people who can do nothing for us. We begin to love people who are different than us. We begin to love the very people that would take life from us. That's how we know that we are becoming like him. We know it because we begin to be bothered by the pain in this world. We begin to be bothered by by other people who don't have. We're bothered by starving children. We're bothered by women who are abused and alone. We're bothered by these things to the point where we do something about them. And if that's not who we are, then that's not the God we serve. And that's the gospel. It's hard. We've spent so much time in the last two years arguing over stupidity. Me too. All of us. Every one of us is guilty. Nobody get out of this one. Me too. So much time when people we love are headed for judgment. It's real. And you're the solution. You're the solution. You're the solution. You're the solution. You are God's tool on this earth to make sure people do not experience God's judgment. And the way you talk to people, and the way you act with people, and the way you listen to people, and the way you love people, and the way you hear people, and the way you empathize with people, this is what stands between people and judgment. 
matters. People are like, well, that's the Holy Spirit's job. It is. It is, but you're on his workforce. It is his job, but he works through us. Guys, you know I don't do this stuff every week, but don't forget about it. God so loved the world that the fullness of God's judgment was taken on by God. And if we get lazy with this, or we get complacent with this, then I fear the Spirit may still be for us, but He might just exit the building. This is who we are. It's all we are. We are Christ crucified and Christ resurrected. And if we lose that when the world gets crazy, we'll get just as crazy as the rest of the world. Don't forget who you are and don't forget why it matters. Amen.